This is the newly rechristened I Have So Many Questions. I'm Brian Watson. I was channel surfing tonight and I stumbled across on BBC America and I've seen this movie. They've been showing this movie a lot lately and they were showing The Hunt for Red October. Great movie, I think from 1990, directed by a great action director, now disgraced director, John McTiernan, Sean Connery, a Scotsman playing a Russian, Alec Baldwin in one of his non-dickhead roles, which were more common back in the early 90s, although he did a fair amount of dickhead roles during that period as well. Sam Neill, Scott Glenn, bunch of supporting characters, or supporting actors. I think there's one woman in the entire movie. She plays Alec Baldwin's wife, Jack Ryan's wife, and I think she's in the movie for an entire 60 seconds. I'm watching The Hunt for Red October, which I've seen a dozen, to- dozen times, if not more. I've got it on Blu-ray. It's about halfway through the movie. And I remember a week or two ago, it was on again on BBC America, stumbled across it while I was channel surfing, and I'm watching the movie then for a minute, and my son and daughter are in the room watching it with me. And I was dreading them asking me what this movie is about, besides the fact that it involves submarines and stuff like that. Because they're 8 and 12 years old. This movie is about the Cold War. It's about the Soviet Union. It's about the United States. It's about submarines chasing each other and Russians defecting to the other side. And I was dreading them asking me what this movie is about because I was going to have to pause the movie or I thought I was going to have to pause the movie and explain as best as you as I can to an 8 and 12 year old what exactly the Cold War was. having to go into maybe a five to ten minute dissertation on the Cold War just so they can understand the plot of this movie. And it wouldn't be just this movie. It'd be like Red Dawn. How do you explain a movie like Red Dawn? And I'm talking about the one with Patrick Swayze in it and Charlie Sheen, you know, the good one, not the one that was made a few years ago that they shelved for like three years that had the Chinese invading and then they decided to change it to the North Koreans because they wanted to be able to sell the movie in China. Which didn't happen. Or a couple of months ago, I watched a really depressing movie called from like 1983 or 84 called Testament. And it was a movie about this mother of three who lives in this uh, San Francisco suburb. And she's married, but her husband goes off to work one day. And while he's gone at work, San Francisco gets nuked. And the movie doesn't go into a lot of detail about what happened. Is it World War III? Is it an isolated nuclear attack? The only thing that the movie indicates is that there are other places that were hit as well. But that's all the movie goes into as far as the larger context. It's entirely set in this San Francisco suburb of these and these people who try to live and survive in the months after a nuclear attack nearby has a very young Kevin Costner and very young Rebecca De Mornay in it in supporting roles as a married couple, but it's very, very depressing, very, very sad, trying not to sound like Trump. I don't know why I watched that movie. It was on Amazon Prime. 
and I'd read about it, I think, on Wikipedia at one point in the past. Or the day after, there's another one, the made-for-TV miniseries, directed by Rathacon director Nicholas Meyer. Written by him as well, I believe. How do you explain something like that? How do you explain the Cold War to somebody? How do you explain the Cold War to somebody who never lived through it? Or was very, very young when it ended? I was 16 years old when the Soviet Union f collapsed. I remember the fall of the Berlin Wall in 89. I was in 8th grade, I think. Didn't really mean all that much to me at the time, because I was in 8th grade. There were girls. But how do you explain, particularly in a pop culture sense, how do you explain, how can you enjoy a movie like The Hunt for Red October if you don't understand the larger context or the time period that the story takes place. You do a movie about World War you do a movie about World War II, all you gotta know is we fought Nazis, we fought the Japanese. That's all you really need to know. You don't need the larger context. You don't need to know about D-Day and the bomb and and Iwo Jima and the rape of Nanking or the Holocaust or anything like that. Depending on what kind of movie you're telling. I mean if you're doing a movie about the bomb the movie tells itself. If you're doing, if you know, if you're making Schindler's List, you don't really need to go into the war in the, about. You don't really need to go into anything about the war in the Pacific, or D-Day for that matter, or the Battle of Britain, the North Africa campaign. But it's simple. But it's fairly easy to do a story or a movie about World War II, or any war for that matter. All you got to do is set, put in the setting, and it kind of, a lot of it kind of will work itself out unless it's like a meditation on war, you know, a movie like Full Metal Jacket or Platoon or Apocalypse Now. A lot of those movies were meditations on Vietnam. They weren't war movies. They were meditations on Vietnam or on war movies. However, you take a movie like Saving Private Ryan and you could except for the D, except for the first 30 minutes the D-Day campaign the rest of that movie could be set it could have been in World War II it could have been in Korea it could have been in Vietnam it could have been a civil war movie and you could probably and you could still tell that basic story except for the D-Day part which is in a lot of ways kind of the uh, really is the point of the movie but when you're doing a story about the Cold War, that's harder to do because there is a, because it wasn't an actual war. A war, for the most part, is easy to explain. People fight, people die, there are objectives. The Cold War wasn't an actual war. It's way more complicated. There's all kinds of layers to it. And then you've got to look at it from which period of time because the Cold War basically was from 45 to 91, 46 years, but there are time periods. There's the period from the end of World War II to, say, the end of Korea. And then there's the end of Korea to the election of Kennedy, basically the Eisenhower years. Then you get into, with Kennedy, you, you get the Bay of Pigs. You get the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was arguably the pinnacle of tension during the Cold War. 
Then you get the Kennedy assassination, which leads to Johnson, which leads to the Gulf of Tonkin, which leads to the escalation of the, the, the Vietnam War. Then you get Nixon with peace with honor, and only Nixon could go to China, the, the China trip. Then you've got the resignation of Nixon. And then you don't have a lot, you don't have a lot going on during the Ford and Carter years, except for the invasion of Afghanistan, which prompts Jimmy Carter to boycott the 80 Olympics, uh, which were, I believe, in Moscow. And then you've got the Reagan, Reagan Bush years. And then you've got to really kind of separate that. Then you've kind of got to split that period up is there's the pre-Gorbachev Reagan years where Reagan dealt with like three Soviet leaders in the span of four or five years because they all died. And then you've got Gorbachev to the end of the, to the fall of the Soviet Union. So there's a lot of different periods that you've got to address during the Cold War because it went on for 46 years. And that's before you try to have to explain to somebody what exactly the Soviet Union was and what exactly the Soviet Union did. What were their, what were their ambitions? What was their ideology? If you, can, if you can make it succinct, because again, there's different periods of the Soviet Union. There's the Lenin, there's the Lenin period. Then there's the worst period, which is clearly Stalin. I mean, Stalin killed a hell of a lot of people, a hell of a lot of his own people. How do you explain that? Besides, Stalin killed a lot of people, but why? What was the purpose? What was the point? Then you've got Khrushchev. Interestingly enough, under Khrushchev, you get the Cuban Missile Crisis. That didn't happen under Stalin. That happened under Khrushchev. And then you look at the slow the kind of the stagnation of the Soviet Union at that point until Afghanistan. And then really from Afghanistan on is when everything really just starts to go off the rails. Afghanistan doesn't work out, doesn't work out anyway in any way that they had planned. Their economy starts to fall apart. Eastern Europe starts to fall apart or starts to break away from them more and more. Reagan sees Reagan wisely understands either through intelligence or good advisors he understands where the soviet union is at that point in time and ups the ante knowing that they will do everything in their power to call if not raise at that point and then you you, you get the the ultimate symbolic event which is chernobyl in 86 which perfectly encapsulates and symbolizes the state of the Soviet Union at that time. And within five years, they're gone. How do you put all of that into context, or do you try, so that you can understand the significance of the day after? Although really, the day after is about nuclear war. just so happened to be that we had the most nukes and so did the Soviet Union. That's kind of the backdrop, but really the day after is about nuclear war. Testament is about nuclear war. But movies like Red Dawn or The Hunt for Red October or I'm sure there are other movies that I'm just not thinking of. Hell, the Bond movies. Up until Goldeneye, there was always a Soviet element 
to all of those movies. The Soviets were in league with, were in cahoots with Spectre, or the Soviets were working against Spectre. Hell, the spy who loved me, the Bond girl's a Soviet agent. Then there's From Russia with Love, and there was a heavy Soviet presence in the later Roger Moore movies. The last three or four that he did, The Living Daylights, the one with Timothy Dalton in it, most of the damn movie involves the Soviet Union, either because actually the entire movie is about the Soviet Union in one form or fashion. How do you enjoy those movies if you don't, can you enjoy those movies without understanding the backdrop? When those movies came out, the backdrop made perfect sense. We'd been, a lot of people, myself included, had been living with that backdrop for our entire lives. We heard about it all the time, every day. My son's 12 years old and they're just, they haven't even gotten to American history yet. They're still doing world history, ancient history, and geography. They haven't gotten to American history yet. I don't think he's done, I don't think he's even done anything on the American Revolution. And you know they go in chronological order. They'll go from the American Revolution to the founding of the country to the Civil War to Reconstruction. They might do something on Reconstruction to they'll probably talk about Jim Crow. And then you get into World War I, the Depression, World War II, and the Cold War. Although they probably won't talk about the Cold War specifically. It'll be Korea a little bit, Vietnam probably more. And they may, you know, you might get five pages in a social studies book about the Cold War in its entirety, which really does it a disservice. Or that period of history, it does it a disservice. But the Cold War is a very complicated thing. How do you explain that? How do you succinctly explain that backdrop to people who never, who didn't live through it, who never, who didn't experience it, who were basically immersed in it by default? Because that was the world in which they lived at the time. How do you explain that to people who didn't? And it's an important period of history to understand. The Cold War is exceptionally important because it's so complicated. We look at things as war, as a kind of a binary. A lot of people look at things as a binary. Enemies and friends. Going to war, not going to war. And we're talking about war, war. Bombs and guns and tanks and aircraft and aircraft carriers and people dying. Cold War, there was a lot of that. But he had two powers who never fought each other directly. Tons of proxy wars. Although the United States was way more, way more hands-on than the Soviet Union was. I can't think, except for quelling uprisings in either Eastern Europe, like Czechoslovakia, maybe Poland, the Soviet Union didn't really engage directly except for Afghanistan, as far as I can remember. There were no Soviet troops in Korea. It was all the Chinese and the North Koreans. There were no Soviet troops in Vietnam. It was all the Vietnamese. Might have been some Chinese, might have been some from the surrounding countries, but there were no appreciable Soviet presence. There was a lot of Soviet weapons in all of those wars, but there weren't. The Soviet Union fought proxy wars. They did a lot better job of fighting proxy wars than we did, although we kind of got better at that 
to our detriment, I think. We got better at that in the post-Vietnam era, the 70s and the 80s. Reagan was big on proxy wars, especially in uh, Central and South America. But how do you explain that to, how do you explain the Cold War in a pop culture sense, (laughs) if there is such a way to do that, to somebody who didn't live through it, who didn't experience it, so that they can enjoy movies like The Hunt for Red October or Red Dawn? Just the thought I had the other day while I'm channel surfing, and that was kind of reiterated tonight as I was channel surfing again. This has been I Have So Many Questions. Notice the new title. I am your host, Brian Watson. Please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. The email address is I is still I have questions at gmail.com. I haven't changed the email address. The Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash I have so many questions podcast. The just look up I have so many questions on Twitter. If you need to, throw in my name. Should take you right to the Twitter page. I am Brian Watson. Thank you. <laughs>